For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And now we arrive at the high watermark of the evening's festivities. Bringing you the latest happenings across the world of sports, it's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. Let's begin the show by starting it. Uh, this is going to be good! What's up, America? Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow here all across Sports Map Radio. Coming to you coast to coast and worldwide here from our network studios in Houston, Texas. The home of true Texas football now with the Houston Texans. Hey, we got a lot to do in this final hour. Try to squeeze it all in before we say goodbye for the evening. Coming up, let's talk about the Cowboys and that debacle yesterday. Where do you go from here if you are the Cowboys. Plus, the big revenge victory of the weekend. We have to talk about that. Don't buy into the NFL propaganda. We'll get to that coming up later on. And if we have time as well, one fan base embarrassed themselves more than any other this past weekend. We will get to that coming up, or certainly tried to. we got a lot to try to uh, squeeze in here. Uh, Crazy weather as well in these football games and also throughout the country. We'll try to touch on that later on. We'll try to jam everything in here before we go this evening. If you ever miss anything from the show, you can always find all three hours on demand. Just search Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow wherever you get your podcast to find the entire show on demand each and every night. Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow. And if your great affiliate does not carry all three hours of the show, you can always head over to streamsportsmap.com or download the free, our free app in the App Store. Just search Sports Map Radio wherever you get your apps. You can always get in touch with the show. Find me on Twitter, at Morrow on the mic, M-A-U-R-O on the mic. You can always text the show, 346-298-1260. You can always call the show, 1-800-224-2004. And you can also email the show anytime as well, sportsmaptonight at gmail.com. In case you've been out and about today, the Bills beat the Steelers 31-17 to advance. Mike Tomlin stormed off of his press conference when asked about his future with the Steelers. And the Eagles lost tonight 32-9 to against the Buccaneers. Now, Nick Sirianni will be talking to the media here in just a couple minutes, so we might try to grab some of that audio for you. But I think just quickly on those two games, I think a lot of these teams in the NFL, we'll try to talk about the Cowboys as well, depending on what happens with the Sirianni press conference here in, uh, in this segment. But I think you look at all these teams, you can make the case that all should make coaching changes. All should or need to do something different. And Tomlin's a great coach. The fact that he got the Steelers to the playoffs is truly something. But it's the same story every year. They get to the playoffs, and then they have no shot. You know going in, uh, they're not going to compete for a Super Bowl. They've lost their last four playoff games. They have not won a playoff game in eight years. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that just feels like the case right now for the Steelers. So it's a lot like Bill Belichick, although Tomlin's having more success than Belichick was where you can credit a guy for being really good, 
Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, but it just felt like it was time to part ways for him in New England. And that's what they did. And same idea with Pittsburgh. Tomlin is a great coach. If he became available, I think a lot of teams should try to scoop him up. A ton of teams. But it just feels like things are not working in Pittsburgh. Yes, they're winning nine games. It's impressive. But the point is to compete for Super Bowls. And I say this all the time about quarterbacks. And so I have to be fair and say it about coaches. If you don't think your quarterback can truly win you a Super Bowl, then what are you doing? You're just wasting time. Go find that guy. Don't be afraid to make a move. You've got to be aggressive. Just like in your own personal life, right? Life's short. You, you w- want to go after something, whether it's a job, whether you're interested in uh, somebody of the opposite sex that you want to try to court, you got to make your move. you got to go for it. And so same idea in the NFL. These windows are, are small. If you don't have that quarterback that you truly believe can lead you to a Super Bowl, be aggressive. Make a move. Go find somebody else. And maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it does. Keep going until you find that guy. Same with the coach. And right now, maybe it's not all Tomlin's fault, but it just feels like this thing's not working in Pittsburgh. We never look at the Steelers these days as a true Super Bowl contender. And this year, they had high aspirations. They were actually expected by many to win that division. And for most of the season, they're pretty lackluster. They finished with nine wins and weren't really competitive today. When it comes to the Eagles tonight and the way that season ends, again, we'll try to um, grab some of Sirianni's press conference, but what a just a disappointing end to the year. So bad that I would understand if the Eagles wanted to make a move. And look, they're not the Cowboys. We always view Jerry Jones as like a George Steinbrenner. He's the opposite. Jerry Jones has always been very patient. The Eagles, meanwhile, have not. Moved on from Carson Wentz pretty quick. Moved on from coaches. Andy Reid had one losing year. Fired him. Chip Kelly had back-to-back 10-win seasons. Then he had one bad year. Fired him. Uh, Doug Peterson led the Eagles to a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Playoffs three straight years. Then fired him after one bad year. And now Sirianni was in the Super Bowl last year, but this year was a disaster. And the Eagles have always been very quick to make their decisions. Here's Sirianni talking to the media. You know what? Let's uh, tune in. Here's some from the uh, Eagles uh, head coach. Wasn't good enough. Um, obviously, we're not putting them in good enough positions. And so, you know, sometimes when you're in second and long uh, and third and long you're, and you're not continuing drives, it's easy to look at the stat sheet and say uh, they didn't run it enough. But, you know, there's, there's things that aren't being accounted for. You're in second and long. You're in third and long. If not, there's nothing to say that you can't run it there, but it's going to be harder to pick up a first down in those scenarios. So whenever you're out of flow like that and not in sync like we were, um, it's going to be hard to get your get your carries when you're behind the sticks. And we had a two-minute drive there as well. So, hey, listen, uh, we need to, we need to be able to run it more. Obviously, we, we weren't able to today to get into a flow, and that's that's on me. Well, obviously, we we were in a in a big slide and. You know, um, anytime, anytime that's the case, I always look at myself first, and I didn't do a good enough job. And, and obviously, we lost five of the last six, and lost today. Uh, and, and it's almost like you, you couldn't get out of the rut. We we couldn't get out the rut we're in, and that's and that's all of us. Uh, we'll have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and accept that, and uh, you know, just find find answers, find solutions. Uh, but obviously, you know, when you start ten and one. Um, you know, and then you and then you get into what what happened for us. Obviously, that the expectations were high. Um, expectations were even higher when we started off ten and one, and we fell into a skid. So I look at everything. I look at, you know, obviously the play calling. I look at the, um, you know, the scheme. I look at, you know, practices. I look at 
uh, everything, everything that we're doing. Um, because, you know, I think that the past two years, you know, did some things. Uh, um, we got hot a little bit at the end. Um, and then this year wasn't that case. So anytime that's the case, you're going to look at, look for answers in those, in those scenarios. Um, you know, because it's not always the, the answer isn't always like okay, we finished hot last year, lost our last game. Um, do the same thing. You got to be able to adjust. We did some adjusting to things, but we'll look at everything. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's a little premature to talk through that. Um, everybody in that locker room's hurting right now. Um, coaches, players, staff, every, everybody in that locker room's uh, hurting. And my job right now is to be there for them. Be there for the guys. Um, we'll find we exactly. We'll get into all that. Uh, I'm not there yet, um, but um, yeah, we're hurting right now. Um, it's tough to, you know, to go out. You know, the way we did this. Uh, hats off to the the Bucks. They had a good game plan. They did a good job. Um, but my mind right now is not is not there. You know, I got a lot of time to think about that. My mind right now is on the locker room, the guys, the coaches, um, all those all those things. Sirianni talking to the media here after the loss tonight. Once the Eagles started 10-1, and they finished the year 1-6. and And during that time, they had the second-worst record in the league, second-most points allowed, second-worst point differential, and the worst turnover margin. For all intents and purposes, they were the worst team in the league after being the best team in the league for three months. Such an odd reversal. And I like uh, the comment Charles made earlier off air where he said, you know, them and the Bills almost swapped like it was a freaky Friday where the Bills did the opposite. The Bills were so lousy for the first half of the year and then finished the season on a five-game winning streak, won this weekend, and the Eagles were the opposite. The Eagles were 10-1 and and then just totally cratered to end the year. And it's like, uh, because I have to reference Seinfeld, it's in my contract, I have to bring up Seinfeld every night. And in Seinfeld, when Jerry, you know, always says, I'm even Steven. I'll have one friend who's up, one who's down, and then it'll flip. And when the down friend becomes up, the other one goes down like a seesaw. And that was like the case here. Bills were down, Eagles were up, and then they flipped for the second half of the season. And now the Bills host the Chiefs this weekend, and the Eagles' season's over. I'm sure someone's looking into it. I'll have to find it online. But, I mean, have we seen a scenario like this where a team starts something like 10-1 and one and finishes 1-6? and six? Uh, it's just crazy how big of a difference it was down the stretch for the Eagles. So if I'm Philadelphia, I would not blame him. I don't think it's too rash if he actually did make a move. I think Sirianni gave all the good answers there in that press conference, but if I were to nitpick, and it's just because I'm a fan and I always view it as a fan, I always wish the coaches were a little more emotional like a fan. If you're an Eagles fan, and when your team gets blown out, it's a little easier to accept then if you lose on the final play of the game, that's going to sting a little bit more. But I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans are flipping out tonight. And so it's probably a good quality to have to be stoic. You know, I'm kind of like that as well. I don't get too emotional in my personal life. But when I'm upset about my team, like I want to see my coach seemingly upset as well and instead of being very composed. And that almost sounds backwards. Like you should want your coach to be composed in those moments. Sirianni gave a lot of good answers, but almost kind of like nonchalant. Like, yeah, well, you know, we didn't run the ball well enough. And, you know, we're going to look to make some, we, you know, we have to figure out why we went into this slide. I'll look at myself. We'll check the practices, yada, yada, yada. But I want a guy up there pounding the table, ticked off, like, yeah, we sucked. We finished the year one and six. We should be competing for a Super Bowl this year. We were 10 and one. We were the best team in the league. We were in the Super Bowl last year. Right? We were terrible down the stretch. This isn't good enough. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Like, I want a little more fire. 
as opposed to a coach that seemingly just the way it comes off is it's accepted. And almost uh, like he's he, I'm not saying this is how he feels, but it's how it looks. It's almost like he's okay. Like, yeah, whatever. All right, nonchalant. Like, yeah, we lost. You know, we're running six. We're going to have to look at it. If I'm a fan, I'm ticked off. I want my coach to be ticked off, too. Coming up, let's talk about the big revenge victory of the weekend next. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. This is Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. Coming up, let's talk about the big revenge victory of the weekend. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. You're all across Sports Map Radio as we put a bow on Super Wildcard Weekend with the Buccaneers beating the Eagles tonight on Monday Night Football to advance. And by the way, because they had to move that Bills game, right? you get the Bills having to now play on a short week. Uh, the Buccaneers having to play on a short week against the Lions. So I don't like these Monday night games. I'd rather just give me three games Saturday, three games Sunday. But, you know, whatever. Who am I to say? But now you have these teams that have a bit of a disadvantage. Buccaneers, they got to go to Detroit and have to do so on a shorter week. The Lions have a rest advantage, which should not be the case in the playoffs unless you have a bye involved. The Bills at least have the Chiefs coming to them, but the Chiefs played Saturday. The Bills played today. It's a big difference for a playoff game to have two extra days like that. But what do I know? And, of course, the Bills, I know it was moved because of weather. That wasn't the plan, but, but still, it's, uh, it's a bit of an advantage for some of these teams in the second round of the playoff. This past weekend, look, the games maybe weren't all that great on paper, a lot of blowouts, but we had some interesting storylines, and I discussed these last week. But you had Tyreek Hill against his former team in the Chiefs trying to show that he was better off with his new guy, Tua, just like that person that leaves a relationship tries to show you they're better with their new significant other. You had Mike McCarthy go up against the Packers after he was essentially dumped by the Packers. So much like if you've ever been dumped before, you want to show your girlfriend who dumped you that you're better off without her and better with this new person. Then you had the Browns and the Texans who could both relate to, eh, probably better without Deshaun Watson. Just like two people that were burned by the same dude and then they get together and realize like, yeah, he's a dirtbag and we're better without him. That might be the Texans and the Browns. And then you had the Rams and the Lions, which was the most interesting and maybe truly the only interesting actual football game of the weekend. It was the only game that did come down to the end. But even this game, the last four and a half minutes were very anticlimactic because the Lions were able to run out the clock. But nonetheless, a close game, a one-point game, Rams-Lions, and you had the whole storyline of Goff versus Stafford, the quarterbacks that were traded for one another. Much like if there was ever some sort of wife swap or spouse swap, but you know, you still wanted to prove the other person that you're better off in this new relationship. And same idea, like Goff wanted to prove to the Rams that, you know, you got rid of me, but I'm just as good of a quarterback as Stafford, or you got rid of the wrong guy, or you blamed me when you shouldn't have. And for Stafford, you know, maybe he wanted to show that the Rams, I mean, they won a Super Bowl, so they probably already feel vindicated, but you made the right move, bringing me in instead of Jared Goff. And these are two quarterbacks that, because of that trade, will be tied to one another. So when they square off for the bragging rights, you want to win that game. And I picked the Rams to win the game outright, picked the Rams to cover the three points, which they did. And they almost pulled it off winning by one. But I was impressed and somewhat surprised by the Lions and their performance. I thought Jared Goff played really well. Dan Campbell didn't really have a huge screw-up like I was anticipating. And the Lions held on to win 24-23 last night against the Rams. And now the Lions... They will uh, 
I, I actually I misspoke earlier, right? The Buccaneers. Now I'm getting confused with the seating. The Buccaneers will go to. Oh no, the Packers. Yeah, the Packers won, so they do go to San Francisco. Yeah, so the Lions actually. You know, the Lions now. You get the Buccaneers at home on a short week. Detroit. You know, it's got a pretty good path here to the NFC Championship game. But they won yesterday to have bragging rights. First playoff, first off, first playoff victory in 30 years. The fans were celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl. It was a pretty crazy moment. In fact, here is Jared Goff after the game talking about that win yesterday. Remember, this is a guy who played in a Super Bowl before. Here's what he had to say, though, after the Lions finally won a playoff game yesterday beating the Rams. It was surreal. You know, it was, it was something that you kind of imagined for so long. Um, if from the moment I got here, you imagined getting that playoff win and, and having type of, this type of atmosphere in front of our home crowd and um, being able to sit on the ball like that and, and finish it out. And, uh, yeah, it kind of all hit me there. And um, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was over once we got the first down and until they sent in the personnel, and it kind of all hit me at once. But, um, yeah, I kind of had to subdue a lot of emotions this week and um, was able to kind of enjoy that moment. It was surreal. It was something you've dreamed of. This is a guy who's played in a Super Bowl. But A, the fact that the Lions finally won a playoff game, and then B, the fact that he did beat the team that dumped him, that moved on from him, that didn't think he was good enough after getting them to a Super Bowl, brought in Stafford, and then that hurts your ego when Stafford is seemingly that missing piece that does deliver a Super Bowl for the Rams. And you're here in Detroit where it's like, uh, you know, especially that year, the Lions were bad. They only won a couple of games. They won three games. Rams win the Super Bowl just after you left. Hurts an ego for a guy like Jared Goff. So that helps, too, when you win that game yesterday, ending the Rams season. Here is his head coach, Dan Campbell, after that win yesterday, talking about Jared Goff and his performance. Dan Campbell's uh, comments here, the head coach of the Lions after the game. Just really proud of him, you know, and what he means to us and his play today. And, and I bring it back again. He's one of the reasons that we won this division, and he's another reason why we just won our first playoff game here in 30 years. So, um what a stud. What a stud. Take that, Matt Stafford, who got booed yesterday uh, in that game by the crowd, which he should have. He was the enemy. Also got knocked out in that game and still came back to finish. Stafford, it wasn't his problem. He played well. Goff played well. It was a one-point game. Rams lose. Here was Sean McVay after the game talking about his quarterback, Stafford, in the loss after his return to Detroit. And I wouldn't want anyone else as our quarterback other than Matthew Stafford. He was outstanding. He was gritty. He was gutsy. He made tough throw after tough throw. The rush was barreling down on him, and he stood in there and, and was dropping, you know, dimes all day. And, you know, we just came up a little bit short in the red area, but he certainly gave us a chance, and we would have never been in this situation um, without Matthew Stafford's leadership, his guidance, his resilience. Um, he was one of the main catalysts for what was right about this football team, and I know, uh, I know he'll be excited about coming back next year as well. McVay delivering a message as well with that high praise for Stafford in the very beginning of that clip saying, you know, whatever he said, I wouldn't want anybody else other than Matt Stafford. Take that, Jared Goff. You may have beaten us today. right? You may have won the battle, but not the war. Stafford won a Super Bowl for the Rams, and that's still McVay's guy. Where Goff got a big win yesterday, dramatic win, but until you deliver some sort of Super Bowl to Detroit, what does it really matter? Rams obviously made the right call and the right move to go get Stafford to win that Super Bowl. But for the Lions, look, it's a cool story. It's a fun story yesterday. Fans were happy. They were able to celebrate for the first time in years. And I saw people saying this is the first time you could actually text about a Lions playoff victory. 
The last time the Lions won a playoff game, text messaging wasn't invented. I mean, we could go down the list of what wasn't invented yet. There was no social media. There was really hardly any internet. This is the first time you could post about a Lions victory. This is the first time you could text about it. This is the first time you could do many things in regards to a Lions victory in the playoffs. It's been that long. And so it's cool to see the fans celebrate. For Jared Goff to beat his former team, I always love a good revenge story. And even though it's a small bit of revenge, because again, they did win a Super Bowl as soon as they got rid of Goff, but to beat them head-to-head like that to end their season, I'm sure that feels nice for Goff and the Lions, and to get a big-time win as well. And I'll tell you what, the Lions are a different team outdoors. But it could be interesting if we get the Niners-Lions in the NFC title game, because the Lions are physical. They have the offensive line that could handle the Niners' pass rush. I don't think the Lions' defense is good enough to stack up with San Francisco. But you also do have a very aggressive coach that could try to make some aggressive plays to try to make up the difference between those two teams if we get there. The Lions will host the Buccaneers. The 49ers will host the Packers. We had some crazy weather in the uh, games this weekend. The Chiefs and the 49ers, uh, I should say the Chiefs and the Dolphins played one of the coldest games on record in the NFL. And the Bills game was moved to today because of the, the big snowstorm yesterday. They were still shoveling out the stadium today. Fans were sitting on snow. If you saw in that Chiefs game, there was all sorts of videos of water bottles that were exploding and beers that were exploding and freezing and everything. Crazy weather. Minus 30. I can never go to a game like that. But there's some crazy weather all throughout the country right now, including here in Houston where we're based out of. I mean, they're closing schools and highways and roads here just because it's 30 degrees. As someone who grew up in the Northeast, right, I get a kick out of it. You're having a snow day without any snow. I wish we had that growing up in Connecticut. Sometimes we'd get snow and still have to go to school. It'd be terrible. But here was Adam Kruger, chief meteorologist at CW39 here in Houston, sneaking in Little John references in his weather report for uh, the big freeze here in Houston. It's going to be windy and it's going to be cool. And then you're going to hear me say this about 50, 11 times this morning. We've got that hard freeze on the way, but the real cold settles in Tuesday morning. Don't disrespect it. You'll want to take care of your house as we have a hard freeze on the way. I've got temperatures up here for the next few days. Now take it to the floor. Tuesday, Wednesday morning, that's when we're in that hard freeze territory. If you can see the speeds, 369, we're just fine. But a cold front's going to sock it to us one more time with strong winds blasting in here tomorrow. We have a couple of cold fronts on the way and temperatures will get low, get low. Get low, get low. Look at next week. Highs only in the 30s. Very likely we're going to see a hard freeze, and that's why you need to protect your home to the window, to the wall, and basically everywhere in between, especially the pipes. And could we see a wintry mix? Well, it is possible. I know when you see this paint, you're like, ah, sleet, 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 sleet coming our way. Well, some sleet, some light freezing rain possible, but light is the key word here. All right, let's talk about the cold front arrival time. We've had to back, back, back it up as each day goes by. It looks like now it gets here sooner, maybe coming in as soon as Sunday morning. Well done by Adam Kruger here in Houston. Talk about the crazy weather we're getting right now in Texas with little John references. Hey, when we come back, don't buy into the NFL propaganda. We'll talk about it next. It's Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow. Sports Map tonight continues. Here's your host, Luke Morrow. Two things to get to here in this segment. Number one, the fan base that embarrassed themselves the most over the weekend. And number two, don't buy in to the NFL propaganda. Get to that here on Sports Map tonight with Luke Morrow 
all across sports map radio. Let's first start with the NFL. For one, I was having this conversation with somebody here in the building earlier tonight. You know, it is interesting that the NFL playoffs were not very good. And if you go back and you look, a lot of these quote-unquote super wildcard weekends have had a lot of blowouts. And yet, we don't care. We tune in anyways. We don't really talk about it. The games are still entertaining. I said that to a couple of friends Saturday. Like, even though we had two blowouts Saturday, Chiefs won by 20, the Texans beat the Browns by 30, at least I was entertained watching the two games. Texans were fun to watch, and that game was competitive for, I don't know, close to a half, and then the Texans pulled away, but they're a fun team to watch. And the Chiefs-Dolphins was close-ish, at least, until the second half. And, you know, same with yesterday. The Cowboys, well, the Cowboys were getting blown out, but still, there's something about it, maybe just because it's playoffs, maybe because of the urgency, that it still keeps me entertained. I thought the two games today were pretty boring because I do think those were just boring teams to watch. But, you know, when we get all these blowouts in the college football playoff, we always say, like, oh, college football, terrible games. March Madness, when you get some nondescript teams in the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or Final Four, and you say, like, oh, who cares, right? The NBA, oh, every series has been a sweep. But in the NFL, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens in these games. We're all tuned in. Can't wait for the next games. We love it. We eat it up. We never criticize the NFL and all the blowouts, and we just continue to take it all in. But that's not even what I'm talking about here, the propaganda that they're feeding us. No, because that came from Mike Tirico the other night on NBC. And this is not about Tirico. Tirico is a pro. He's one of my favorite play-by-play guys in the industry. He's great at what he does. Clearly, this was a statement he was reading, probably directly from the NFL. But as you know, the Chiefs-Dolphins game was carried solely on Peacock Saturday night. First playoff game to be on a streaming service only. And hopefully it wasn't too much of an issue for you and you were able to watch the game without much of a problem. And maybe you've already canceled your Peacock subscription since then. But I thought it was a terrible move by the NFL. And I think it's a very slippery slope and a preview into what the future holds. That pretty soon, every game is going to be on a different streaming device and you're going to have to be paying for all of them just to watch the NFL. It shows the greed of the league. And as I always say, people don't give things back. This is just going to be the start of it. The NFL is not going to now say like, oh, yeah, you know what? That was a bad idea. Let's not do that. No, they're probably only going to do more of it. But here was Tarico praising the move by Roger Goodell and the NFL for putting that game on a streaming service Saturday night. Here's what Mike said on NBC. But what a scene last night as the Chiefs began to fetch their Super Bowl title with a 26-7 win over Miami, a night memorable for many reasons. So many unforgettable images from the fourth coldest playoff game in NFL history. And the passion of NFL fans added to the record books. An average of 23 million people stream the game on Peacock, making the first ever NFL playoff game to be exclusively streamed. The most streamed event of any kind in the U.S. ever. Super Wildcard Saturday was also an all-time record day for U.S. Internet traffic, with most of those people interacting with NFL content online. Congratulations to our Comcast and NBC Universal teammates, and thanks to Commissioner Roger Goodell and our partners at the NFL and all the fans on this record-setting collaboration, a milestone moment in media and sports history. Oh, please, laying it on thick. Don't, Don't thank Roger Goodell. Forget that. And talk about the historic night and record setting and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, of course, 
because you made us have to watch a playoff game on a streaming service. It is the biggest event that has been streamed or exclusively streamed. No wonder it set record ratings. Of course, if you put the Super Bowl on, right, if we went each round, put the conference championships on a streaming service, those will break the records. And then if the Super Bowl was on a streaming service, that would break the records. No kidding. It's the most streamed event because it's the first time we've ever done this. And it's the biggest event we've had on stream only that I can recall at least. So, of course, it's going to set the records. You know, and talking about it's such a big deal. Oh, it's great. We made history. Congratulations. You were part of history last night. What a great thing for the NFL. Thank you, Roger Goodell. No, it's a bad move. And I know a lot of people are saying, like, big deal. Who cares? It's only six bucks. I told you when I was ranting about this last week, I already have Peacock. It didn't cost me anything more. I watched the game Saturday night. That's not the point. I mean, for some, six bucks could be more of an issue. And maybe, you know, things are a little tight for a lot of people these days, unfortunately. And you had a long week, and you want to settle down and just watch some football this weekend while you have some time off. And now the NFL is just going to come and pull at every corner from you. You had to pay for Amazon for Thursday night. Maybe you have to pay for Sunday ticket. Now you have to pay for a playoff game. You have to put down another $6. You have to go through the process of just signing up for an app and giving your email and all that sort of stuff just to go watch a playoff game that have been free on TV, quote-unquote free. I know you pay for your cable, but you know have been free, have been included in the cable package for as long as there have been playoffs, at least that have been televised. But it's more about the principle. It's not about the $6. It's the same reason why you'll go out to an expensive dinner, but you won't pay for the valet parking. You have no problem buying the, the expensive steak for you and your wife, but, you know, five bucks for valet, forget that. We'll find a parking spot on the street. It's the principle. It's not about the money. Same idea with the streaming services. Six bucks, yeah, big deal. It's a cup of coffee, but it's more of the principle that once you start, it's never going to go back. It shows the greed of the NFL, and this is probably the beginning of it. And when you don't speak up about things that you feel are out of line, then that's just when things continue to get further out of line. right? That's where people take advantage of you. And so if everybody just had the opinion of, eh, it's just 6 bucks, who cares? Then eventually you're going to be paying 6 bucks for every football game you want to watch. Every game will either be on a different streaming service or, as I said last week, the idea that I've been hearing for two decades about every game being a pay-per-view. Where if you want to watch your favorite team on Sunday, you're going to have to pay every Sunday for that one game just to watch the NFL. It's a slippery slope. And if we just sit back and let the NFL continue to do it and continue to put their claws into us and continue to be greedy and take in more money every chance they get with the international games, right? take more and more away from the fan bases that have built up this league and sport and continue to pass it off elsewhere and get more and more, you squeeze more out of you. It's just never going to stop until you actually do something about it. But for as long as you allow it to occur, it's going to keep happening. And I imagine this is going to keep happening. It starts with that game Saturday night, and moving forward, it's only going to become more and more of these games on various streaming services and more money out of your pocket to view their product until something is actually done about it or enough people speak out. So, yeah, sure, it's only 6 bucks, but that's not the point. It's the principle. It's the start of something. And I imagine... Things are only going to move further in this direction down the road for the NFL. And eventually you look back, almost like now with all these streaming services, where you used to just have cable, it was all one thing. Now you're paying for 10 different services. And you look back and think like, oh, man, you know, I kind of miss when we had cable. And soon you're going to have to be watching games on six different services and think back to like, man, I, I miss when these games were all just free on my uh, DirecTV, whatever it was that you have, that they were all included with my cable package. 
a little bit different now, or at least will be different moving forward. Quickly, let's get to this. This is Stacy King, part of the Chicago Bulls broadcast. They were honoring the late Jerry Krause. His wife was there at the Bulls game, and they were booing Krause and therefore his wife. This was the fan base that embarrassed themselves the most this weekend, and here's how Stacy King reacted on the TV broadcast for the Bulls. Chicago is a, is a sports town. And what we witnessed today, when Jerry Krause's name was called, and the people that booed Jerry Krause and his widow, who was accepting this honor for him, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I hurt for that lady, brought her to tears, and whoever booed her in this arena should be ashamed of themselves. It was That's not Chicago. That's New York, Philly. Chicago's not like that. We don't have a reputation of being that way. And whether you like Jerry Krause or not, that man brought six championships here. He didn't shoot a basket, nor did he get a rebound, but he, he put a six he put six titles up in this ring. There's a lot of teams doing that one, and that was really classic. And I'm, I was disappointed in the people that moved. It was a sad thing. Left a little bit of a pit in the stomach for what should have been a really celebratory 15, 20 minutes, and that didn't feel right, admittedly, and I'm with you on that, Stace. And both fans are better than that. Now, you want to talk about, like, trust fund fans? And, I mean, that's going back to the 90s. But you're booing Jerry Krause, who's turned into such an enemy over the years despite bringing you those six championships in the 90s. But not even that. The guy's passed away. And you brought his widow, his wife, to tears, who's there to honor him, and you're booing her and her late husband. It's just it's a low-class move. right? You don't, Unless somebody is truly a villain, unless somebody truly did terrible things, why boo someone who has passed away? right? Why boo the dead? And especially when his uh, wife is there, who is, you know, up there in age, too. Like, you're booing a senior citizen and her uh, deceased husband. Just a lousy move. And again, like, if there was a rival that was a different team, okay, that's one thing. Maybe I could understand it. But he was the GM for your team that won six championships in the 90s. What are you booing for? You think that was so bad? All right? Trust fund fans. Blessed with Jordan in the 90s. We'll wrap up the night next. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. Broadcasting live from the Sports Map Radio Studios, it's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. As we put a bow on the evening, we've been playing clips throughout this evening because today, at least still in most of the country, Martin Luther King Jr. Day on January 15th and honoring that with some of the clips from his speeches during his lifetime. If you ever miss anything from the show, you can always go back and find the entire show on demand. Search Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow wherever you listen to your podcast. Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow to find the entire show on demand. I gave you all my picks for these playoff games Friday on the air. We went 4-2 and two against the spread, and in terms of picking the winner, uh, also 4-2. and two. I thought the Rams would beat the Lions, but the biggest surprise was, of course, the fact that the Cowboys lost and lost as bad as they did. And now I do think these next few days are going to be interesting. The Eagles had a disappointing end tonight. What sort of changes do they make moving forward? The Cowboys were embarrassed yesterday. What sort of changes do they make moving forward? And after the Seahawks moved on from Pete Carroll and the Patriots moved on from Bill Belichick, do we have to be on some sort of Mike Tomlin watch in Pittsburgh, even if it's some sort of mutual decision? 
Seems to be picking up some steam recently that maybe he just steps away himself. Maybe they work on some mutual agreement to start fresh, do something different. Tomlin, maybe you take a year off. Maybe you go right to another job. Right? Sometimes that could be beneficial, kind of like what Sean Payton did. Bill Belichick's probably too old, but maybe could benefit from a year off where you just kind of reassess. You look inward. Mike McCarthy did that before coming back to coach for the Cowboys. You know, you try to self-scout. You refresh, you recharge the batteries, you try to learn about some things. So anyways, we'll see what this week brings. Obviously, last week was huge for big coaching news and breaking stories, and we'll see if we get anything like that this week after the first round of the playoffs. But what a disappointing weekend for a handful of teams there in the NFL. And we also get some interesting matchups coming up this weekend. We'll have all week to get ready for those. Check out the podcast if you ever miss anything from the show, but we're always here to help as well. Because we wrap up the night with what we call the wrap. Charles will ask a series of questions. I'll try to answer them. And we touch on some of the biggest stories going in the sports world. And it's time now, before we go here this evening, to put a wrap on things and do exactly that here. Uh, Get to some questions before we say goodnight. All right. What do we got? All right. First question. What excuses are left for the Ravens, if any at all, to not make the Super Bowl? Hey, I don't know if there are any. I was trying to think in my head of the path, right? So they get the Texans now, which is obviously the easier game, easiest opponent remaining in the AFC. The Chiefs and the Bills will have to beat up on one another. And then you either get the Bills coming to your building or the Chiefs where Mahomes is having to play on the road in the playoffs for the first time in his career here this season. But for the Ravens, you have the extra rest, you have the fewer games, right? you have the bye week, you have home field advantage, you're healthy outside of Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson had a good year, you have an offensive coordinator that shaped an offense around Lamar and what he wanted, you have more playmakers for him in the passing game, you have a healthy quarterback for the first time in a few years. So the only excuse I would say, if I could afford an excuse to the Ravens, it seems like what's standing in their way most likely will be the Chiefs and the Bills. Chiefs or the Bills. But the only excuse I would give is just you're going to have to deal with C.J. Stroud and or Josh Allen and or Patrick Mahomes. So that's the only excuse I would give is that maybe the three best quarterbacks in the AFC, if we exclude Lamar Jackson from the conversation, three best quarterbacks, maybe even with Lamar Jackson, are left in the playoffs from the AFC. Maybe Joe Burrow should be in that conversation. But you get the point. Three really good quarterbacks. You're going to have to face two of them. I guess that would be the only thing. But if you truly are the number one seed and you have this MVP quarterback, you should be able to beat any of those quarterbacks at home. So I don't know if we really can make an excuse for the Ravens. They should win the AFC on paper. But I guess if I had to come up with an excuse or if Ravens fans were looking for an excuse if they ultimately lose... I guess you could point to the fact that, like, oh, well, we lost to C.J. Shroud, or we had to face Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. But the Ravens are the number one seed for a reason and should theoretically win the AFC this year. It seems like most things have lined up for them. Now we'll see if they get it done. Now we'll see if Lamar Jackson can play well enough in the playoffs to lead this team to a Super Bowl for the first time in his career. All right, next question. Mm Mm-hmm. So let me build this up a little bit. Okay. So in relationships, mm-hmm. you know how, like, 
each partner starts to take on some characteristics of their part of the other partner. Absolutely, right? yeah. So in this relationship of Mike McDaniel and Tua, uh-huh. who has become more like who? Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Let's think about the Dolphins as a whole. High power offense, but doesn't very doesn't succeed very much when the moment calls for it. Yeah. It's a good question. Because I do think typically you take on the personality of one of those two. Probably more often than not the coach, because the coach obviously is higher than the quarterback. But if the quarterback's a big enough star, I do think you take on the personality of your quarterback as a team. It's a good question. Really good question. Um, I would probably say Mike McDaniel because I think... I think Mike McDaniel has been the most uh, has been more influential, is what I'm saying. Because I think that point you made at the end, where if you watch the Dolphins, they're flashy on offense. They're a little more sizzle than than steak, right, or than substance. And they're flashy on offense, but kind of when things are, uh, it kind of describes Tua too. I was going to say they're really good when things are right, when they're at home and there's no weather, you know, when everyone's healthy. And then you have to go on the road or you deal with some cold or maybe you're missing a few pieces. You deal with any sort of adversity and the team's not nearly as good. And they don't have a lot of toughness. Uh, you know, they can't handle the cold in Kansas City. They can't play some smash-mouth football Saturday. So it's a good question because Tua has kind of been like that as well in his NFL career. But I'll say Mike McDaniel. I feel like that's McDaniel's style where you have kind of that flashy offense but when push comes to shove and you got to play some tough football you know like look he comes from Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree and Shanahan's had a lot of success but when the team's trailing Shanahan can't come back when the team's in the biggest games Super Bowls his team's have blown leads so I think there's a little bit of that with McDaniel and the Dolphins where they're a little bit of front runners they beat up on some bad teams they look really good at home but you have to go out in the cold you have to play in January you have to play a big game against the Bills at home, Week 18, which essentially that was what decided your season, and that's where you no-show and you lose these games. And I think that's more in the head coach than the quarterback. So really tough question, good question, but I'll say McDaniel. I just feel like that's a little bit more his style. He's a laid-back guy. He's a fun guy. But when the going gets tough, as they say, the tough get going, and I just don't know if there's that personality with this team because of how laid back the coach is. Maybe that's not fair. I'm not in the building every day. But McDaniel seems like this fun, loose guy that you want to hang out with. But when it comes down to being disciplined or being tough or going out there winning the tough games, the Dolphins just haven't shown that yet, and maybe because of the style of the head coach. So I'll say McDaniel. I really like that point because I feel like that almost uh, brings up the type of losses he's had to the coaches he's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's McDaniel. I think it's the style. He's got to prove me wrong. But uh, you know, I compared it last week when we said like it's the fun parent. But can you be the the tough parent that disciplines? When things are going well, yeah, McDaniel. The Dolphins are having a great time. He looks like a good coach, but they have not dealt with big games very well so far in his career. All right. Now, final question. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's the same question I had about the Ravens. So, um, what excuses are left, if any at all, for the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, I don't think any. Um, because they're healthy. Same idea. They're healthy. They get a bye. They have home field advantage. You have a better quarterback now than the last time you were making that Super Bowl run, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Purdy is better. And then Purdy got injured last year. So theoretically, you can make the argument this is the best quarterback situation Shanahan has had in San Francisco. Team is healthy. Bye week. 
home field advantage. You get the seven seed Packers coming to your building this week. First time the seven seed has ever advanced since we expanded the playoffs. And then after that, you get either the Lions or the Buccaneers. So it's not a murderous row of opponents here in the NFC. So the Niners, I would say the Niners more so than the Ravens should win their conference. Because the Ravens, like I said, you still have to deal with C.J. Shroud and then either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. For the Niners, you get Jordan Love, who I know has played really well, but still first-year quarterback on a young team and a seven seed in your building. And then you get either Jared Goff on the road outdoors, who you know well from his time with the Rams, or Baker Mayfield, who's been a great story this year, but again, is not in the same class as Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or even C.J. Stroud at this point. So I think the Niners have an easier path than the Ravens for that reason, and the Niners have even fewer excuses. But I can't come up with an excuse. Unless somebody gets injured this weekend, you know, Debo or Brock Purdy or somebody, then, okay, then you have an excuse. Otherwise, Niners should get it done in the NFC. If you ever miss anything from the show, check out the podcast each and every night. The Life's a Series of Hellos and Goodbyes. For now, we say goodbye. We'll say hello again tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It's Sports Map Tonight with Luke Morrow. You're all across Sports Map Radio.